Welcome to the worship podcast of Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts, for Sunday, December 27, 2020. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector of Grace Church. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome at Grace. Just a reminder that the church office is closed this next week, and there is no Grace Discussion Group or Outdoor Eucharist today. Outdoor Eucharist will return Sunday, January 3rd. Following the governor's recent orders, that service will now be limited to 25 persons, down from 50. Don't forget to log on to Zoom at 5 p.m. on Saturday, January 2nd for our Christmastide Lessons and Carols Watch Party. A number of parishioners have submitted festive musical numbers, which Chris Hosfeld is editing together into a video for us to enjoy together. The link is in the worship podcast email and in grace today. May God bless you as we approach the new year and continue to rejoice in the gift of the Incarnation over these 12 days of Christmas. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 10, through chapter 62, verse 3. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, 
and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to be spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Galatians, chapter 3, verses 23 through 25, and chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I am not on Twitter. The word Twitter means bird gossip, essentially. I have said that I will not participate in a platform where the actual name is a value judgment, connoting meaningless chatter. But of course, what happens on Twitter is not meaningless. Words matter. Words are powerful. Words make things happen. And words are powerful whether or not they are true. We are all participating in an experiment now to see how far words can be uncoupled from their meaning, from what is true, before the wheels of democracy just fall off. The president lost the election. That is a true statement. You can fact check it. You can diagram it if you like, subject, verb, object. But for millions of Americans, including the president, it is a controversial statement, one that they insist is not true, couldn't be true. The fact of facts is also controversial these days. In her book, Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies, Marilyn McIntyre writes, Like any other resource, language can be depleted, 
polluted, contaminated, eroded, and filled with artificial stimulants. Like any other resource, it needs the protection of those who recognize its value and commit themselves to good stewardship. Language, words, are a kind of natural environmental resource, as McIntyre describes. Words create an environment, healthy or toxic. A few weeks ago, Chris Berlin spoke to us at Grace Discussion Group about Buddhism, and as part of his presentation, he mentioned a concept the Buddhists call the three poisons. The three poisons are ignorance, greed, and hatred. They are deadly on their own, but in combination they are potently destructive. And yet, ignorance, greed, and hatred do not get very far without words, without language. Moving from ignorance to knowledge, from greed to generosity, from hatred to loving-kindness, requires a purification, a thorough cleansing of our language, our words. A baptism of words that will wash away the distortion and pollution and restore them to their true meaning. The Irish poet Padraig Otuama has a poem called The Word Became Stretched and Crept Among Us. It begins, It is the tense vocation of language to contain and constrain meaning. Of course, he's punning on John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There is no birth narrative, no story of Mary and Joseph in the Gospel of John. We begin on a cosmic scale with Jesus as the Logos, the word, a loaded concept if there ever was one, with a long history even in the first century. And this word, this logos, is a true word and utterly concerned with truth. It is the Gospel of John where Jesus says, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It is also the Gospel of John where Pontius Pilate says to Jesus, What is truth? It's a rhetorical question. Pilate doesn't care about truth. He walks away from Jesus after he says this, and then he has him crucified. The first chapter of the Gospel of John is just as much a Christmas story as the birth narrative in Luke or the story of the Magi's visit in Matthew. That is why it's in the lectionary for one of the choices on Christmas Day and also the Sunday after Christmas. Jesus, as the Word, has a tense vocation in Otuama's words. The word will be challenged from the beginning. It will face opposition and be rejected. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. There is a poem by the pastor, theologian, and civil rights activist Howard Thurman that is frequently cited and read around this time of year. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, 
to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. Usually I hear this poem as a lovely reminder. This year it feels like a challenge thrown down. This year we must do the work of Christmas during what will likely be the worst days of the pandemic in the U.S. With all the economic fallout and extreme need the mishandling of the pandemic has caused, during a transition of presidential administrations fraught with deceit and danger, and as part of an ongoing national reckoning around white supremacy and violence against black Americans and people of color. It is our vocation as followers of Jesus the Word to care for words in a culture of lies. It is our vocation as followers of Jesus the Word to know the truth and to face the truth and to work on behalf of the truth. It is a tense vocation. But we are enveloped in God's love as we live it out. We are never alone. We are always beloved. And we are given the grace to share this all-encompassing love with others. That is the truth that Jesus came to earth to embody. And to live out this vocation, we must dwell in God's word. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Every day in which I do not penetrate more deeply into the knowledge of God's word in Holy Scripture is a lost day for me. Growing in the knowledge and love of the Bible is perhaps the most important way that we as Christians learn to care for words in a culture of lies and become daily better equipped to do the work of Christmas. The words we choose to dwell with form who we become. They shape our decisions and our actions. While we are probably universally glad to put 2020 behind us, we also know that we will bear many of the same burdens and challenges in 2021. More than ever, we need to carve out the space to dwell in silence and prayer with God's holy word. Even one verse a day, with some time to savor it, to turn it over in our minds, to reflect on it, can strengthen us and equip us for the difficulties we face. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we need to dwell with that word within that word to do the work of Christmas, to come to know the truth, and to be made free. In God's name, amen. Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and the life everlasting. Amen. The Prayers of the People Let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. Watchful at all times, let us pray for strength to stand with confidence before our Maker and Redeemer, that God's kingdom may come with justice and mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, that God's scepter of righteousness may be established among the nations. We pray for our elected leaders in this time of pandemic, economic uncertainty, and partisan division. May they demonstrate a commitment to truth, the common good, and public health. We pray for the global community in these challenging days, especially refugees and asylum seekers, the poor, and indigenous peoples. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, that we may seek Christ in the Scriptures and recognize him in the breaking of the bread. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, that God may bind up the brokenhearted, restore the sick, and raise up all who have fallen, especially those on our parish prayer list, those recovering from COVID-19 and those we name silently or aloud. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, that the light of God's coming may dawn on all who live in darkness and the shadow of death. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, that with all the saints in light, we may shine forth as lights for the world. Lord, keep us from harming others through risky or thoughtless conduct. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray that as we celebrate the birth of Christ, all our loved ones celebrating birthdays may be blessed, especially Jennifer and Kelsey. In our parish cycle of thanksgiving, we pray for our pastor and rector, Regina Walton, who has faithfully led us through a difficult year. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray that those who have died might have a place in God's heavenly kingdom, especially John Stewart, father of Austin Stewart, and those who we name now. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of our Heavenly Father. Holy God, you have called us to be a source of spiritual restoration and strength. Make us conduits of divine love, following the example of Jesus. Help us to companion the vulnerable, heal division, and confront and dismantle inequality. Give us your grace, now and always. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our worship podcast for today. We thank the Grace Church Choir, featuring section leaders Kristen Buaven, Diane Drost, Stephen M., and John Yanis, joined today by Linda Hosfeld. We also thank our music director and organist, Chris Hosfeld. Thank you to our lectors, Diane Sakakini-Rao and Scott Aquilina, and our lay reader, Harry Rosser. You can find out more about Grace Church on our website, gracenewton.org. We hope you join us again next week.